This is the Lead Speakers Podcast with Scott Lloyd. In this podcast, you'll hear engaging conversations with everyday leaders and discover their motivations, desires, and passions. Most importantly, hear practical applications and advice for becoming the leader that you've always wanted to be. Welcome to Lead Speakers. Welcome to this edition of Lead Speakers. I'm Scott Lloyd, and I'm thrilled uh, to launch the second season of my podcast with two very good friends of mine, Asbel and Stephanie Montez. And Asbel is a great leader in the healthcare industry and in other areas as well. We were just chatting a bit before uh, we started recording uh, about how he's killing it. He is absolutely killing it on Instagram. And of course, he credits, uh, like a good husband will, his wife, Stephanie. And, and uh, I've actually known Asbel and Stephanie for a long time. And I was thinking, I've known Stephanie longer than I've known Asbel because I was, I was privileged to attend uh, Stephanie's dad's uh, Bible college back in the day. And that's where we made a connection. So Asbel and Stephanie Montez, welcome to Lead Speakers. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much. We're thrilled to have you. And, and just to, to let folks know a little bit about what Asbel does, um, Asbel began his career in the ambulance industry in 1999. His EMS career includes directing and leading teams and providing uh, revenue cycle consultation to air and ground ambulance agencies, uh, culminating in the position of managing partner of solutions group consulting. Asbel currently serves on the board of directors for the American Ambulance Association. He is a thought leader on reimbursement initiatives within the industry. Uh, he has uh, authored a book on management of ambulance services and is a contributing author to several EMS magazines. So obviously, um, if we think about critical services, emergency management services, ambulance services, that comes to mind and, and how, I, I'm just amazed every time that I see those professionals respond in those emergency situations. Um, it, it's a credit to what you do, Asbel. It's a credit to, to what those uh, that work with you do. And, and I'm just thrilled to have you today and, and thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Scott. And I do have to say, since you brought it up, uh, which is one thing, especially during this public health emergency, the importance of our first responder community. Um, and how vital they are to helping with the uh, vaccinations, helping with the testing. I was talking to a judge um, from, from down South Texas um, earlier, um, and she was just talking about how important EMS has been um, in the vaccination clinics that they've been doing. I mean, kind of talked about how, you know, some people have fear of needles and will pass out and thank God the paramedics are there. So. It's an, it, it's an industry that I'm excited about um, and I have a passion for and for the last 24 years I've been involved. So thank you for that. Thank you for letting me give a shout out to the first responders. Um, thank God for our first responders. And then also yesterday, the shooting, they were, oh, yeah. they helped all those people in Boulder, Colorado, because they're always first on the scene. Always Absolutely. The and and that, is a, that is a critical industry and, and certainly... Uh, seeing what is happening around our nation and with what has happened in the past year, you're absolutely right that um, uh, those first responders, those on the front lines, it's a credit to your industry. It's a credit to what you do. And, and I want to talk specifically about leadership uh, in, in a difficult season. I think we can all agree that um, as, as, as a nation, as uh, communities specifically, 
And just as individuals, uh, we are emerging, hopefully, from one of the most difficult uh, seasons, uh, certainly in, in our lifetimes um, and in our nation's history. So, Asbel, as you reflect on your career, and, and, and Stephanie, feel free to chime in as well as, as, you, as you would like, because I know that from a, from a marriage perspective, that what we do in leadership is a partnership, and it's very important that uh, people work together in, in the family unit. And, and that's one of the things that I admire about both of you. You're, you're always so complimentary uh, to one another, and not only in the words that you say, but it's obvious um, in, in, in how you work together. And, and I think that's a testimony uh, to, the, to the character of you both. And, and like I said, I've known you a long time, but as you reflect on your experiences, what are some of the most important leadership lessons that you think are most often overlooked? Um, I was looking at that question. Do you go first? Yeah, you go first. You know, I will tell you that oh. the last year, um, I have learned more about who I am as a leader than in the last 24 years. Um, and I remember back when I was 25 years old, I'm 44 now, um, I remember my mentor, who I credit to my mentor in North Carolina. Um, he used to own his own commercial insurance agency business and decided he used to sell commercial products to EMS and decided to start an ambulance service um, in Winston-Salem that really focused on patient care. He had some ideas, which is wonderful. And I remember him telling me one time, Asbel, if there's anything that I can tell, tell you about you is you've got a lot of passion. And you give 150% to whatever you do. But I'm going to remind you two different things. And I've actually mm -hmm. talked about it. Um, is passion without banks or without boundaries can destroy. So he kind of gave me the analogy of my passion being like a river with no banks. And the river will just destroy it. will flood. But you got to build banks around your passion so you channel it appropriately. And then the second thing that he told me is the larger the institution you work with, whether you're employed by them or whether you're dealing with them, which a lot of people know, I do a lot of, a lot of government relations type work and involved is you cannot change things quickly. It's like a boat, the larger the ship, the quicker you turn it, it will capsize. And so you must gradually turn it when you're changing. And a lot of times we get ahead of our skis um, and we want to change something really quick. And then we wonder why um, it took 50 years to build that. And if you think you're going to change it in one month and there's not going to be consequences or unintended consequences to that, um, then, you know, like they say, there's swampland we're going to sell you in Kansas. And so I will tell you through this pandemic, I have learned more to look internally, like what's going on? What am I doing that's contributing? We not only have the pandemic, we have the racial injustice that began to happen and that began to percolate. And that was, it still is a very, very polarizing topic. But, but the point of it is until we look internally and begin to figure out what do I need to change in me? And that's what my mentor taught me at the very beginning. When things start happening, what can you control? And there's only one thing that I can control and that is me. I can't control you, Scott. I can't control Stephanie. I can't get it, but I can control me. I can control my reactions. I can control what can I do to better. And I guess out of anything that I have learned, and it's been a culmination of experience, I've learned the most 
since March the 14th until today. And I'm still learning and I'm gonna to continue to learn through this process because I am committed to changing me. Because if there's anything that we can do, it's what Mother Teresa said, I may not be able to feed a hundred, but I can feed one um, as well. I was just gonna to chime in a little different perspective. Um, I would say too much doing and not enough pausing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the pandemic reset a lot of us. We just go, 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 go. And we're almost in a competition and we feel like if we can't slow down, someone's gonna pass us up. And since the pandemic, I'm like, pass me up. <laughs> I don't care, I'm gonna rest. I think, and I think Asba has learned that because he can be an overachiever, workaholic. And I'm a, I can be a workaholic in my own way, but we have learned through the pandemic to rest more to hit the pause button. And I think that's overlooked a lot. I really do. People just go, go, especially in America. Like we, if you're not doing something or if you're not going a hundred miles a minute, you're not doing anything successful. And I yeah, think that's well said. And, and, you know, it just reminds me of the fact that, you know, some of the lessons that we've learned along the way, we, we both come from a, 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 we all come from a very similar uh, background. Uh, the ideas that adversity reveals the character that's within us. So, you know, the, the old axiom, uh, what's, in, what's in the well will come up in the bucket. Or, you know, if you get bumped by life, whatever's in that cup is gonna spill out. Um, so the, the pandemic, uh, the racial unrest in our nation, the, the political strife, all of that has served as pressure points for leaders. And it, it's either gonna refine you or it's gonna reveal that there are places where you need to grow. And, and Stephanie, you touched on something that I think is so important and something that I really appreciate about you both, but, but especially about you, Stephanie, and I know this is, this is something that you got from your parents because I remember the, the, the positive nature of both of them and, and the way that they were always speaking um, about um, you know, not, not the negative, but, but looking forward and, and, and seeing what can, what, what we can become and what we can achieve. So um, how do, how do both of you manage to stay so positive uh, facing so many challenging moments? And why do you think this is important for a leader? Let me go first on this one. First off, <clears throat> excuse me, first off the mind. Yeah. It all starts in the mind. And I know we hear that all the time, you know, um, there's so many different views, philosophies on it, but honestly, it starts in the mind. And I can go back to when we had this ice storm here in Texas, you remember just about a month ago, we had no power. And then two days later, the water went out. So for four days, almost five days, we had no power, no water. The first two days, I kept saying, it's going to come on. You know, I was speaking faith, speaking life, you know, how I was raised. When the water went out on Wednesday, remember that, babe? I, I felt defeated almost. I, I like got teary-eyed and I was like, oh my word. Okay, it's freezing <laughs> and now we have no water, you know, but I will never forget that. And for me, being a Christian, I went into our bedroom. That was the only place she could be in our car where we turned on the heat because it was freezing. And I just got in the, co the covers over me with the dogs and I just began to cry. But the, that crying turned into prayer. And then I felt inspired again. Okay, God's in charge. It, just power through. We're going to be okay. 
And Aswell was pretty optimistic through the whole thing, but I promise everything starts in the mind. If you, what you read, what you watch, who you listen to, who you hang with, and the news. Um, I've had to kind of distance myself from the news. He's my news now. If I need to know what's going on, I ask him. Because it was getting to me like you were talking about the political, the everything. And I think you got to set boundaries with what you listen to in order to stay positive. And also, I can do all things through Christ. The scripture always helps me. I can do this. I know it looks bad, but I can do this and just power through, you know. You know, what's such a loaded and probably one of the things that I like to talk about the most is the power of speaking positive. And it's easy to talk about. It's cliche. Um, but when you start speaking positive, you can rest well assured you're going to go through things to test you to see can you live what you speak. And that's the reveal. That's where it refines you or it reveals you. And you alluded to earlier, Scott, how sometimes we've all grown up and things kind of come out for them. And it's easy for us to get behind whether it's our pulpits, whether it's behind our platforms, whether it's whether it's in our leadership positions as we're encouraging others or what have you, but until you walk through it, that is when you begin to see, am I really, can I really live it? And I've always been taught that the power, our power, death and life is in what we say. And so, and you speak things as though they were, even when you cannot see them. That happened to me this weekend. I spoke things as though they were, even though it was not what was going on. Because, and I felt it, I talked about it, and I felt it inside, and I told and looked at her, and I started crying, and I said, I don't know if I can do this, but I'm gonna speak life into that situation because that's what we were taught. We were taught you command your morning. There's something about the early morning hours and we begin to speak life into situations, not just in what you do, but in everything that you do, whether it's you're in leading, whether it's you're talking to someone about Christ, whatever it is, you speak life because you never know somebody has it worse than me. Right. We have first world problems. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking when we were going through how cold it was, I kept thinking, you know what? At least we have a car that we can get into. It has gas. I can at least warm up here, charge my electronics, but there are people down the road, people that they died. They froze to death. They didn't have a car to turn on and get into. And so I had to tell myself when I'm in the situation, somebody has it worked out because that's how my dad raised me. Whenever you're going through something, somebody's always worse than you. So begin to give, start helping others, start reaching out to others when you're going into other things because it gets the focus off of you and it puts it onto others, which is what the enemy doesn't want. He wants you to focus, woe is me, woe is what have you. And so I begin to look at biblical principles and speaking the positive part of it, when I take that and I move it into what I do, I was having dinner and I, I was telling this to Stephanie, I was having dinner with, with a, a senator from the state of Texas three or four weeks ago. And we were having dinner, this turned into a three, three and a half hour ordeal. But I began to talk to him because he went, and I began to speak positive stuff to him, but I knew he was agnostic. And I knew he didn't believe in God. And so I began, he said, man, where did you come up with that? And I said, well, that's scriptural. That's actually Proverbs. <laughs> and as we kept on, he said, man, I need to understand this Christianity thing. He said, there's a lot of positive. And I said, that's exactly right. You're listening to the wrong voices. 
the, the message of the gospel is about empowerment. It's about positivity. God spoke life into people, people that didn't know who he was. People that feel like they had nothing to give. He spoke life and said, you're the exact person I came to. Go tell everybody about what I can do. He empowered them to move more. So that we have much more of a calling, Scott, to do that. And when you're a Christian to whom much has been given, much has been required of us, he's given us revelation on things. And that is what we should be teaching people. Even when we don't feel it, you speak life. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's really powerful. And, and for those of you that are listening, if, if you, if you haven't caught on, uh, Asbel and Stephanie are fervent in their Christian faith. And one of the privileges that I, that I have uh, in this position now and, and hosting this podcast is I get to speak to people from a, a wide spectrum of, of society, believers and unbelievers alike, and, and people from many uh, faith traditions. And, and one thing that I've found and one thing that I appreciate about you both is that obviously you're, you're passionate about your faith in Christ and you apply those biblical principles to your everyday life. There are so many people in, in the world in which we live in now where Christianity is just something that is reserved for what they do on Sunday or it is something that they aspire to. But what I appreciate about what you're saying and, 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 and more importantly about how both of you are living is that the Christian faith is more than just a story. It is more than just something. Uh, it is more than just a church membership for you. But as you said, it is everyday life. And whether you're speaking to a senator or whether you are working with people uh, in the ambulance uh, professional uh, 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 services, you are there representing what the faith has deposited in you. And so I want to ask you both, where, where did you learn these lessons? I, I think I've got a pretty good idea for, for, for Stephanie, um, because I, I was privileged to know your dad and, and, and your mother and, and your, your grandmother and your family. But, but where does this come from? And, and because a lot of us have that kind of legacy, right? We have a praying grandmother or we, we have a, a faithful family, but it's one thing to have that family and then it's quite another to have that personal faith that you can apply to everyday life. So talk a little bit about your heritage and where you learned those lessons. Well, I definitely learned them from my parents, as you know. Um, but I went through, and I'm not going to go through the whole story, but when I turned into a prodigal child that we hear about in the Bible, and I'd gone through abuse, I went wayward. As we, I went south. <laughs> um, and I... I went away from those things. When I came back, I was not there yet. It took time. I had to get that personal experience with God. I had to recondition my mind, coach myself, get into the word of God, pray. And I had, my mom has a book called The Power of Speaking Positive. And it's a powerful book, just a plug there. But it's all about what, what Asbo was just saying. That is what really, I have amazing parents, yes but I am myself. I have to be Stephanie. I have to grow into who God wants me to be. And that's the one thing that I think we do sometimes is we hold on to leaders and we look to them always, but there comes a time when you have to stand up and you have to be like, no, I cannot leave on them anymore. I have to do this for myself. And that's what happened to me going through a really dark and long journey 
um, walk that I went through, I had to get it for myself. But I could look to the past. I could look to my parents. And I still talk to my mom all the time. I can read the books. I can watch my dad's messages. And it motivates me and challenges me and inspires me. But you are right. You have to get it for yourself so you can do it. You can't always lean on your grandmother, your grandfather, your parents, your step-parents, whoever it is that you aspire to, you like. And you know, Scott, um, an such another great question. Um, but I wasn't always, I was raised in the faith. I was raised by my parents were pastors. Um, and I had a lot of church hurts um, going through my teens. Um, and I just remember saying, if I can get out of here, um, I am going to, I'm going to dive into the career world. I have no desire to do anything on the faith-based ministry side to me. Christians were just hypocrites. Um, I, I'm just being frank, frank and honest. They're not all of them are, but to me in my sphere and what I saw, um, just a lot of hypocrisy. And so I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to deal with hypocrites, I sure am not going to deal with them in the church where, they, where in my opinion, you should be held to a higher standard. So I'm going to dive into a career. And that's exactly what I did. From the time I was 23 um, until March the 14th. Now, my guiding compass was still my Christian principles that my parents raised with me, but I would rationalize things. If I had to do something, um, you know, well, you know, I'm going to go for the jugular. If two is going to win here, I'm just going to cut your head off. Not a biblical principle. That wasn't grace. That wasn't mercy. Um, and by any definition of society, um, when you're dealing in the, in the more power you get, the more influence you have, the more money you make, you begin to believe this stuff. And we're men. And men, we, are, we, we see things. So we, we gauge our worth based upon what we do. What does my CV, what's all the accomplishments that I've done? That gives me self-worth. Because my worth was off focus of, of what Christ was from a leadership standpoint. And I would talk about it. I would read every leadership book. I'm a big... I, that's all I do. I mean, I'm an advocate for leading correctly, servant leadership, whatever it is, as we work through the process. But almost I was living kind of a hypocritical life. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm, I'm teaching Christian principles, but cross me and may the best man. I'm like, this is a chess game. I'll outplay you. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not a checkers player. I'm a chess player. So I'll manipulate it to where I need to go as long as I get there. Now, that is not a Christian principle. And I remember on March the 14th when the world shut down. It was the most audible voice that spoke to me that said, you have been given me your leftovers. And I deserve the first. And from that moment on, my life has changed. I, I took the next several months. I wasn't traveling anymore. I traveled 206 days in 2019. And I said, I will never do that again. And I made changes in my life. I changed things. I, I decluttered my life. I re-looked at things that I wanted to do and said, you know what? It's going to be most importantly about my faith, number one. And, and Stephanie's the one that encouraged me. And so I started saying, you know, I'm going to take what I'm learning and the experiences that I'm learning. Because what I have known is I've learned the most from my mentors when they were transparent, authentic with me and those I, and and as they as the struggles that they went through like oh 
they're going through that as well. Well, I thought they had it. I mean, look at, they've got the cars and the house and they've got this prestige and surely they're not going through anything. Those are the ones that were going through the most. <laughs> and I learned from them and I'm like thinking, well, maybe I'll just start sharing, start learning. And so it was a journey God started taking me on to say, you can live your faith-based principles without being the Pharisees and the hypocrites and the scribes that are mentioned in the Bible. So why don't you take what you've learned and what I've taught you and what I've instilled in you and you start bringing that to the, the sphere of influence that you have. And I'm telling you, Scott, I never realized how many people were wanting it that were my close, people that I won't even mention that I, that will talk to me and, and whatever. I never realized how hungry they were. And I remember thinking here and I can't think about it anymore because I've asked God, forgive me for not doing, because for such a time he brought, I had to go through that journey over the last 44 years to bring me to where I am today, to be able to have a discussion. And I'm not ashamed about it. People are not, we're all human. Um, grace, I've learned a lot about what grace, mercy, and what love is, what love is. That's what I've learned more on this journey is what does it mean to love? That's well said. And, and I, I really appreciate um, the authenticity uh, that you're sharing with. And, and you mentioned church herd and, and, and because we are Christians, we all come from a Christian perspective and, and, you know, if, if, if we were to get into the details, I'm sure, like anyone else, there are many places that, you know, we would disagree. We would disagree on maybe some aspects and some minutiae of Christian theology or of political perspectives or of social perspectives. But here's something that I know that we agree on, and this is really, really important and why I wanted to have uh, this conversation with you both. I, I just returned from um, the um, Symposium on Pentecostal Studies. It's an annual event, um, the Society for Pentecostal Studies. It's a, it's a gathering of scholars, and we look at uh, developments in, in the Pentecostal world um, from every strain, uh, from, from uh, uh, charismatic movements, as well as classical Pentecostal movements. And whether you look to uh, Pentecostal or charismatic traditions, you see men like uh, your dad, Stephanie, like Kenneth Haney. Uh, you see men like Andrew Urshan. You see men going back to, to William Seymour at Azusa Street. And, and you see these men that said that they heard from God and they took that word and they acted on it. And that's one of the things that I, that I still love, even though I have many disagreements, that's one of the things that I still very much love about my Pentecostal heritage is the fact that it is a, it, it, it is a movement of action. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, the first reference that we have is in Genesis chapter one, and the Spirit moved. The Spirit wasn't standing still, it wasn't stagnant, but when we see the Holy Spirit, in the Bible, it is moving, as well as the men and the women that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so when you talk about that, um, Asbel, I really appreciate that because it, it, it's obvious to me that, um, you know, there may be people that are listening to this that might say, well, you know, that's, that's, that's good for you. Um, you know, Stephanie, your dad was Kenneth Haney. It's easy for you. And they don't know your story. They don't know what you've been through. 
Um, or, or they might look at you, Asbel, and say, well, your dad was a preacher, and they don't know the struggles and what you're facing today. And so here's one thing that I've discovered. Um, no matter who you are or where you come from, what your name might be, if you've got a pulse, if you're breathing, then you're going to have problems. Oh, yes. You're going to have trouble in this world. But what you're saying, what I hear both of you saying, is that trusting in God putting faith in what he has told you to do and acting on that. And that's where a lot of people miss it, right? They, they hear a word from God or they, they feel led of the spirit to do something, but they don't follow through and act on it. So, so talk a little bit about maybe some of the challenges that you face personally, maybe some of the challenges that you look at on the horizon. And, and as a leader, you say, well, you know what? I, I can put on my leader hat and I can see that this is coming, but also from a personal perspective, I know that, I, that I'm going to have to navigate some treacherous waters, um, but in doing so, I know that God is going to be faithful. I, I know that's an open-ended question, but just uh, I set it up for you, so knock it out of the park. <laughs> so, you know, it's an interesting uh, 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 set of questions that you, that you have here. Um, Scott, because it's something that I have been talking about probably for the last week to 10 days and last night. So this question really goes into a conversation that I was having last night. Um, and again, it was with another senator. Um, God has just for some reason um, given me favor in the political realm. Um, and I was having a conversation and we were kind of talking about, well, you know, I don't know if we can influence that or whatever. And this is my personality. Um, number one is don't test God and what he can do. He usually is a con, he uses conduits to do that. And I can sit around all day long and complain about the woes that are happening, complain about things that are happening but get out there and do something about it because one voice can change things grassroots can change things whether it's in the political realm we saw the power of grassroots in the state of georgia we saw grassroots in the nation as it did no matter where you fall on the political spectrum and i'm not saying it's republicans or democrats i at this point in time we all have our own ideology we have our own decisions or whatever but i'm just saying the power of a movement, whether it's a religious movement or not. Now, I strongly believe that God is sovereign. He's all powerful. That is who my power is and God is. You don't have to believe in that or what have you, but there is something about an action. There is something about saying, I'm going to be a critic or I'm going to be a participator. I'm gonna get out there, I'm gonna spectate and critique everyone else, or I'm going to get in there and I'm going to jump on the field and I'm going to get active in it because the view is different. And I'm going to surround myself with individuals who are participators. So my circle is participators. Those that are involved around me that are speaking into my life are solution people. They're participators. Any critics that I have, because you need critics in your life because they keep you accountable, but they are where critics should be, in the bleachers. They're not in the, in the field with me, and that's the problem, is we've invited the critics into the field with us. 
And then we wonder why we can't move. You cannot move. You cannot lead. You cannot do things. You cannot accomplish things when you've got the critics in the field with you. Keep them in the bleachers. They're good. They need, you need them because they keep you accountable. They keep me kind of looking to understand, uh, maybe they're right because sometimes they do, critics sometimes do see some things that maybe you can't see because you're participating in there. So if you listen to them, they'll help you steer you a right way. So I don't discard the critics. I don't discard them. But what I do is I don't let them in my circle. That is key as a leader. That is key. If you're, if you want to figure out why you can't get anything done, there's always going to be uh, adversity. I wrote today as something that came to me about persevere last night at the very end of the conversation that I was having with the Senator, he was a little dejected because he was trying to do yeoman's work, but it's politics. And a lot of times it's fighting. And I said, persevere. You never give up in the midst of a trial. You keep persevering. You keep moving through. And when you feel like that, you pick up the phone and call. 30 minutes later, he texts, he said, man, I mean, I feel like I can go conquer the world. I said, that's the issue. Surround yourself with people. No, it's not going to be easy. Don't listen to that. It's not going to be easy. It's hard. Anything that you accomplish is going to have pain. New life is birthed through pain. We all feel pain. Some of us mask it better than others, but we all feel pain. Every single day, we all go through it. It's how we, how we, um, it's how we deal with pain. Some of us crawl up, get into a feeble position. We re become reclusive. We medicate ourselves into oblivion. And some of us say, you know what? This is just a short term. I'm going to get up again. I'm going to struggle through that pain. I'm going to walk through that pain. Because I know at the end of this pain is a new life. It's a new beginning. And I know it sounds like positive, but then find yourself people when it's so painful, you need somebody to help drag you along. I need Stephanie. That was Saturday. Let's go out and ride around a little bit. I need you because I'm having a rough day today. I'm having pain, lots of pain. I need that. I need you to come with me. I reached out and recognized when that happened to work through that process. Yeah, that's so good. And go ahead, Stephanie. No, I just pretty much everything he said. I was going to say before he said that, um, get off the sidelines, run with the ball, and make sure you're surrounded by the right teammates that are going to help push you over the goal. Because a lot of times what he said, I didn't think of leechers, but it's true. We do have critics. They're everywhere. And some of them are good for us. They make us think. And then some of them are not so good for us. But you can set that boundary with them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I, I really appreciate what you said about the, the pain and, and, and the critics and, and the role that they play, um, because obviously some of, of, of what I do is I, I look at society and I point out that there are problems. I know that you do that as well. You have to do that as a leader. But if, if you only bring a problem without a solution, then you aren't contributing um, to, to, to moving the ball forward, to, to follow up on your metaphor. I think it was Andy Stanley one time that, that, that shared this, the idea of um, if, you, if as a leader, if you're on my team, if you bring me a problem, bring with it a solution or what you think might be a solution. Because if you're only bringing problems, we, we've got plenty of folks that'll tell us what problems are. But we've got to work together. And, and, and this, this is in the sphere of, 
of, of, of, of spiritual things. This is in the sphere of, of political things. And, and, and of course, you know, as Christians, we understand there is no difference between the spiritual, the political, the, the, the whatever. It's all one because we are called to make a difference in this world. And even, even God, when he created the world, um, he said, let there be light. And he divided the light from the darkness and he called both the light and the darkness good. So I, I don't want people to mishear what, what either of you are saying. You're not saying deny the problems. You're not saying deny the darkness. You're not saying deny the world and deny the, the pain, but you're saying, look, we understand that our strength and our resources come from something beyond this world. Because if we get caught up in only what this world has to offer, then we're like the wise man of, of Ecclesiastes. It's all vanity under the sun. And that was the reason why he declared that it was all vanity and, and justifiably so, because he was looking at the wrong place. He was looking under the sun. And so we've got to lift our eyes, so to speak, and we've got to see what's beyond us. And that's the critical role of leaders. Leaders help us look beyond the problem, look beyond the trouble, look beyond the pain and see a solution that's on the horizon. So thank you so much for sharing that. That's so really, uh, really helpful and, and important. And as, as we continue to think about these things, um, if, if you were to give some advice to younger leaders, and, and one, of the, one of the great things about what I get to do on a daily basis is I'm, I'm around young, younger people. And so every day uh, with every passing year, that becomes really critical. Um, because it helps me uh, keep a, a perspective on the world that, that would be very easy to lose. Because young people, for all of um, their, their struggles, for all of, of their problems, um, young people, have, especially of this generation, I find them very um, inspiring and encouraging, and they have a lot to offer. And even as older leaders, we can learn a lot from them. But if you were to share some advice with younger leaders. And, and again, I'm, I'm sorry, Stephanie, for the constant references, but he was such a, a impact on my life. That was something your dad did. He invested in young people all the time. Young men, young women inspired them. I was one of those. Um, so if you were to offer advice to younger leaders, maybe under 30, uh, what advice would you give them? I actually wrote down a few things here. Um, they're short. First is Rome wasn't built overnight, so don't try to do everything at once. Mm. Two, don't overthink it or you will frustrate yourself. Don't allow anybody to come into your personal space and blow out the fire in your belly. Have one or two accountability partners slash mentors who you can turn to when you're frustrated and struggling. I love this one. Never vent to a person who never has time for you. They're not safe. Not every opportunity that comes your way is for you. Know your purpose or you will end up doing someone else's purpose. Wow. That's so good. It really, really is. And, and Stephanie, if you'll do me a favor after we finish here, put that in an email and send it to me and I'll make sure it gets in in the program notes, because those are, those are pieces of advice 
you know, that, that we may have heard in different ways at different times, but I think so many people miss that. And what I appreciate about those, those axioms that you shared with us is that they involve other people. And I think, I think young leaders, especially, and this is something that I run into with young leaders, they get the idea that it's all about them. And so I, there's a friend of mine who says correctly, and I, I repeat it all the time, life moves at the speed of relationships. Life moves at the speed of relationships. So you can, you, you can, you know, isolate yourself. Um, you can, you can, you know, build a wall, but man, if you're willing to tear down those walls and build bridges, yes. build bridges, especially with those that disagree with you, and you're willing to have those conversations, we can learn so much. And, you know, it, just reflecting on, on the tragedy of, of what happened um, last evening in, in Boulder, Colorado, I was watching a, a young man this morning on the news, one of the news stations, and he was, uh, you know, recounting those, those, those horrifying moments. And, and the news anchor asked him about, well, you know, what, what, should, what should we do? And, you know, he paused and he said, well, you know, it's, it's really a complicated uh, situation. And I thought, wow, this, th this man understands the nuance because in our country, right, we have, we have so many conflicting voices that speak to that one issue. Um, you know, you have the, we have the second amendment that we're all thankful for, but then you also have, well, how should that be regulated in a day and age where we have, you know, weapons that can kill people in massive amounts of people in, in a moment's time. How do we deal with the, the, the mental health crisis that, that all of us are facing, that all of us are dealing with? And he went through this litany, and this was just a, a young man that went into that grocery store to buy a soda and a bag of chips. And, and he was talking about this issue in such a nuanced way, and I was like, why can't our politicians see how complicated and nuanced this issue is? And just because you advocate for some form of gun control doesn't mean that you're wanting to take everybody's guns away. And just because you advocate for mental health concerns doesn't mean that you're denying the other side of the argument. And so there are good points to be made on every side of that issue. And I, I simply point to that issue. We could point to a host of issues, but I point to that one because it's in the news. But you're, you're exactly right, Stephanie. That advice to young people helps them see that there are lots of opportunities out there to, to see different sides of what is happening in our world. And you've got to involve other people. You can't just think about it uh, from your own perspective. The, the, I would say three things. Um, and when you were talking about this and leading or what have you, this actually came up in a conversation I was having just right before this one. And it's about boundaries. Um, and this is something that I wrote last week or last week, last year. And there are three things that I would tell young leaders. Number one, have three different boundaries. Number one, a time boundary. Tell your time where to go or it will tell you. Schedule quiet times. A leader who cannot control their time is a leader that is out of control. We need to think about that. 
when you can't control your time. Number two, have a principle boundary. We are lacking and we're seeing lack of principles uh, when people are leaving. That's why we're in. We wonder why we're at a society the way that we are is because we, have, we don't have principle boundaries. Plant your principle stake in the ground. Never compromise your principles and values to be popular or for a profit. Do what is always right. Good always prevails in the end. It's a mantra that we live by. Always do what is right. Always do good. Follow good and the money will follow. I like that. Principle number three, have a no boundary. Learn how to say no. This is one thing I wish I was taught at an early age, as an early leadership, because it turned me into a workaholic. I didn't say no. I thought I had to be everything to everyone. That was a lot of other issues, insecurity issues going on, trying to make myself feel better than what I was. It was a whole dip. That's a whole other lesson and discussion. Not everything requires a yes when asked to do something. Say no to those things you may be doing because you feel obligated or pressured from others to do. Say yes, though, to those things you are passionate about. Follow your passions. That will lead you to your purpose. T.D. Jake said that, posted that so much, which I absolutely loved his statement that he said. Don't know what your purpose is? Start following your passion and it will lead you to your purpose. Yeah, that's so That's so good, uh, Asbel. That's, that's so well said. And again, if you'll if you'll send those to me, I'll make sure that that I disseminate those to to our audience. Um, I think it's obvious. I, I I put a one of the obvious questions in here is how important is your faith uh, to your leadership philosophies? I think we've heard that shine through uh, in every answer that both of you have given. But uh, but I'll give you another opportunity if you'd like to to talk for a moment of, about your faith and and how that impacts your your leadership philosophy. Well, for me, my faith wasn't always important at one time. I didn't, I didn't have steadfast faith. I didn't lean on it. I took it for granted. Um, especially you talked about how we've gone through different things and people don't see that. They see the facade. Everything looks great. When I had gone through a lot of turmoil and the involved abuse, which you know about, I didn't lean on my faith at all. Fast forward to where we are now, my faith is everything. I mean everything. Without faith, I cannot go on. It is so important to me to be rooted in my faith if I want to get through the dark times in this life. If I want to get through anything we're going through, what he's going through, it helps me to pray fervently. It helps me to read the word of God. The scriptures pull them out even when I don't feel like it. That's it. In a nutshell, my faith is everything to me. I've been without my faith so I know what it's like to be without it and how important it is to be with it. I, I'm going to say, and I keep going back to um, that I've learned the most in my le in leadership because um, I don't really look at leading as successful. And I know, you know, yeah, we've led and we, we've led hundreds of people and oversighted hundreds of millions of dollars and, Leading to me is about, was the core of who I was, was it manifested in that leadership? And it wasn't until a year ago. 
um, because my faith was an afterthought. If I needed to discard my faith to get a, something done, because it was always about the win. And I was going to do whatever it took, as long as it was legal, ethical. And I would say things like that, as long as it's legal and ethical and moral, I'm going for it. But the faith was over here. If it suited my needs, I brought it forward. If it didn't, I just shoved it to the back until a year ago. Now it's core center always. And it's my journey of love, mercy, grace, righteousness, and justice. That is what it's all about. And if my leadership, my business philosophies, if they're not surrounded around that, I don't want to do business with you. You're not going to be a client of mine and it's okay. It's not personal because I'm going to sow and invest. I'm going to be kind, but I'm not going to sow into deceit, people that hate. I'm going to be the love of who Christ is. I'm going to love God and love people. Scott, it's really that simple as leadership principles. If you will just love God, and if you don't know who God is and you don't want to love, then just leave that off right now and just start loving people. Because I can guarantee you, you start loving people before you know it, some supreme being is going to manifest some higher power that you may not know about. All of a sudden, it's going to be, you're going to start thinking, huh, I've had people like that. They went from not believing in God. They were atheists. Then they became kind of agnostic. Well, you know, maybe there is some higher power. I don't really know what it is, but maybe there's an energy out there. Then all of a sudden, they're teaching in a Roman Catholic church. They're teaching catechism now. Nine years later, because you know what my parents taught me? Just love people. But I lost sight of that because I got distracted by all the stuff that I grew up in to begin to pursue a career, started having the lust of money and power and it's intoxicating and you'll do things that you never thought you would do. And society might think you're a success, but what does my faith tell me is a success? And my faith does not measure the success on society. God does not bring himself down to societal views and their definition. He's God. So he's wanting to know, how much do I love people? How much do I give to the poor? How much have I helped the injustices? How, how, much, how have I helped the immigrants? How have I helped the, the widows? Have I helped the people that cannot help themselves? The homeless, I can sit and take pictures of them, talk about them like, oh my God, they're putting tents in. What am I doing to help? What am I doing now? Because that is what I was called to do, to lead. Lead to whom much is given. God is much is required. In 2021, as he is given, we should be just a conduit of pouring out. That is ultimately what I've learned from March the 14th. My faith has become the foundation of who I am. It was not. It was just when it was convenient for me. I pulled my faith in. Yeah. Now I'm being pretty transparent, but that's the reality. Oh, that's that's so good. And I appreciate that because that's that's exactly what people need to hear. They need they need people that are that are willing to be real, that are willing to be authentic. Um, and this next question, which which is our last, unless there's something that you want want to add, 
um, I think is really, really important. This, this idea of success and failure. And of course, you touched on this, Asbel, that, that you know, the world has standards of success and failure. And I'm convinced that God's idea of what is successful and what is a failure doesn't always jive with the world's estimation of that. And I think we've both, we've lived that certainly. But if you were to share with, with our audience what, what you would consider your greatest success and, and likewise, what you would consider your greatest failure and, what, and, and more importantly, what have you learned from those successes and, and failures? We, we've got about 10 minutes left. So I, I'd love to hear just to sort of bring everything together as, as we conclude our conversation. So success and failure, if we're going to define it by societal standards or what God, what I feel like God's measure of success is, because I really believe God's measure of success is just who have you impacted? Um, my biggest success, I would say, is throughout my career, um, and what was instilled to me by my mentor is to always give into others. So what you what has been sown into you, sow into others. Pay it forward. Basically, we like to talk about it. Just pay it forward and move into other. And that is the one thing that I probably would have said is the most success is that I've moved through my career through many companies that when I've left, nothing, it has just continued on. It has moved on. The leadership has been there. And I take that as a compliment of success to the leadership abilities to leave things better than the way you found them. Okay. That to me is success. Um, it's not really dependent upon money because in my opinion, money can be made, lost and won. And so if you measure something on such a tangible, what a shallow, this is my personal opinion. Many people know me, but it's kind of a shallow metric to determine if I'm successful by the house I live in or how much money I have in my bed. Yeah, it makes me feel better, but does it really gauge success? I know a lot of people that have millions and billions of dollars, but they're the most unhappy people. And they're always looking, I'm like thinking that is not what I want to be. I want to know who I've impacted to leave better than what they came. Did somebody need somebody to into, into them? So I will tell you that that's probably one of the one things that I cherish is when I get those notes, those emails that just say, I want to just say, thank you for taking time and just investing in me. Um, that to me is a success, a failure. Um, and I always like to say the failures are teaching points for me. Um, I don't believe uh, in failure. I believe that when we don't succeed I and mean, we fail at something that it is a teaching moment to move you into your next till you get to success. I mean, because not everything you touch is going to be gold and everything you touch is going to be great. And so I would say that probably one of the largest teach the, the, the teaching points for me was probably within our marriage um, that I would say I probably moving into, because we both have been remarried, um, is not, um, not focusing so much on outside of deal breakers that I had and I was very rigid in my boundaries and it almost That's a whole resulted. <laughs> yeah. It almost resulted in a second divorce. 
Oh, yeah. Um, because of that. You know what I'm saying? And had she not had her faith and her family telling her, get in your prayer closet and pray, and now we're moving on to another religion, because you can tell faith permeates of who we are. Um, that is probably one of the failings that it permeated for about three to four years before we finally got a grasp on it. Um, that I would say that if I had to look at that, but it taught me a lot about myself. It taught us a lot about our relationship, taught us about the weathering of it. So is it a failure? In society's terms, it probably would have been like, well, my God, y'all were just basically friends living in the same house for four years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To society, they might think, um, I don't know if I'd put up with that. It's a fail. But to us, it was a learning point to her. I'm sure she's got, trust me, we're going to write a book about it. And we already have actually started writing a book about it. Great. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that is a thing, Scott, I would say, uh, if I would say it's probably a thing that I look at to say, man, Asbel, you really failed at that. And you lost four years of our early parts of our marriage um, because of my obstinance. Um, well, thank you for being real about that. Absolutely. That's, we need more of that. Thank you, Asbel. Sincerely, Stephanie. We need to talk about this more. No, <laughs> um, yeah, that was an interesting time for me. Um, these questions, this last question is probably the most difficult question for me, to be honest, because I, I don't really look at what I do as this big successful thing. I have the Unveiled Ministries. Um, we have over 80,000 women connected with this now. Um, I would say for me, this is my faith speaking, is to talk to women, counsel women who are overcoming, who are setting boundaries, who are literally set free from their past, depression, abuse, um, whatever they were, addictions, whatever they're dealing with, to me, that's a huge success. And through the years, since 2014, 2015, I've been doing this, um, I reviewed that just seeing women become free and seeing the smile on their face and the peace in their eyes. To me, that's a huge success um, because I know in the end, eternity is what matters the most. And that's what I'm doing, helping prepare women for eternity in the long run. The failure, I, I just um, probably what he talked about a little bit. Um, I learned a lot through that, those moments, those seasons. And um, my mom, telling me, because I was, long story short, was going to move back to DC, just a lot of stuff. And she told me, you don't, you go get into that prayer, your prayer closet, and you don't get up until you hear from God. And um, I was angry with her and all of that, because I was done. And the Lord healed us and brought us back together. And I remember, remember praying that prayer, Lord, let our bond become stronger than our struggles. Mm -hmm. And he really did do it. I mean, it, it wasn't overnight. <laughs> It was years, like four or five years. Um, but God, we're a miracle. 12 years, going on 12 years. We literally are a miracle here. So, Well, I'm rejoicing with you. And, and thank you for your courage in, in sharing that. Um, you know, it's always important, I think, that people see uh, vulnerable examples of what it means to, to struggle and then to come out the other side. Um, because if we're, if we're being honest, we are all struggling. It is, it is the, the human condition. It is the price of admission for living on this planet. You are going to struggle. You're going to experience pain. You're going to have trouble. And if you're attempting to navigate a relationship where two people, two adult people are attempting to love one another as Christ loved the church, 
Well, we're fallen individuals. We're going to have obstacles. We should not expect that it will be easy. Um, and so thank you for your courage in sharing that. And you, you mentioned a book, man, if I, can, if I can inspire you to keep writing and to get that done, uh, I'll be the first to buy it and to read it because I need help in those areas. I know that there are countless numbers of people um, that, that need help in their relationships, that need help in their lives. And uh, man, just, just do it. And, and, and thank you so much. Uh, you've been so very kind to, to share an, an hour of your, your life and your time with me and with our listeners. And so we'll conclude this way. Is there anything that, that you wanna add on the, um, the, the, the subject of leadership, the subject of faith, the subject of relationships? I'll give uh, both of you a, a last opportunity here to speak. I feel like I have poured out and poured out. Your questions have been very pointed and to the point, I just, they've been great questions. Really. The, the only thing that I'm going to say, and I'm, it, it's repetition and it's, I've been doing it since March the 14th. <laughs> hashtag be the change, hashtag lead the change, yes. hashtag be the, be the difference. Don't look at anyone else. You lead the change, you be the change, you be the difference. Amen. Well, if folks want to, uh, to, to follow you guys on social media or tune in to, to Asbel to what you're doing, uh, what's, your, what's your Instagram handle? At Asbel, no, at Levy's Hubby. <laughs> L-U-V-I-E-H-U-B-B-Y, at Levy's Hubby. There you go. And, and I know that both of you are on Facebook as well, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Facebook, oh, yeah. Twitter, um, yeah. LinkedIn, you know, that's about oh, all yeah. the social media platforms that I'm going to right now. I just can't do the TikTok and all that. Yeah. I'm like thinking, I don't know how people keep up with all those social media platforms. I, I don't know. My students are, are trying to inspire me to do it, but I, I just don't get it. I honestly don't. So I, I think, think we're getting older. Yeah. There's a threshold that I've passed, but Hey, thank you guys so much. This has been, been so wonderful. And uh, I appreciate it very much. And thank all of you for tuning in to this edition of Lead Speakers. This has been the Lead Speakers podcast with Scott Lloyd. For more information, check out scottlloyd.com and share this content with a leader in your life today. Lead Speakers. Lead. Speak. Persuade.